Marcelo. I generally wouldn't use anything that was forged out of someone's bush. If you feel the need for solids, you can guess me here. I mean, I was holding a meat cleaver at the time. <laughs> Stay away from anything controversial. Just focus on making people happy. Oh, yeah, that does not pass the sniff test, but it's going in. Not the first restaurant I've had to sleep in, not the last. Simon Carlo, we do it. Hi, Huns. It's me, me and one veg thing, and I'm quite drunk. This podcast finds you from Taco Fest at The Bond, an event I'm contractually obliged to tell you is run by seasonal markets. I've had lots of tacos and an equal amount of fruity cider. Turns out Budaberry are the king of tacos, or as they call them in Thai, tacos. First up is Stu Deary for an interview over a pint or four in the Brow. Little known fact, I still have Stu's MasterChef final on record. It's quite a challenging wank by a manager every time. Uh, hi, Stu. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Uh, we're sat in the, the Plow in Harborne, which I'm sure you can agree is the best pub in Birmingham. It is. It definitely is. I mean, it's the place that me and the family come. We come quite often. We were here maybe two weeks ago. Um, you know, it's it, it's great for the family. It's exactly what it says on the tin. The food is delicious. The, the beer and the drinks are great. The service is great. And it's, you know, it's a bit of an oasis in Birmingham, isn't it? Yeah, they, they never get it wrong here, ever. No. So um, I was going to grab a little bit of lunch and, and just find out kind of what's going on from your end. So obviously you're, you're cooking at Smoke, but you're, in terms of your career, uh, it's fair to say that you kind of you built your way up through some classical restaurants, went to uh, some other places, and then you did MasterChef The Professionals. Yeah, pretty much it. That's in that's it in a snapshot. Like I, um, you know, my my career has started at very kind of humble beginnings. Like I don't come from a foodie family. Like my dad still orders to this day everything well done. Um, <laughs> doesn't trust anything that's slightly pink. That kind of stemmed my curiosity for food, I guess. So kind of went to Hell's Own College, which, which isn't really a renowned college for food. I mean, it is now. We're starting to get it on the map. I've got some kind of involvement in that. But at the time, UCB was this big powerhouse and everyone that wanted to be someone went through UCB. But I actually went to Hell's Own and that's where the first opportunity to work in a professional kitchen full time came about. And where that actually was, was Jamie's Italian. You, were, you started at Jamie's Italian? I did, I started at Jamie's Italian and I tell you what, it gave me an insight into just how much of a machine these places are. Yeah, and you've got obviously MasterChef The Professionals, how was that? MasterChef was great, you know, what an opportunity like to, to kind of represent Birmingham and hopefully do it justice. Um, because for me, you know, like I say, I've never, I've never worked in France, I've never even been to France. You've never been to France. Never been to France. It's overrated. <laughs> they don't. They don't know much about food. Well, I mean, I've been to Cote Brasserie, so I know what all the food is. You've been Cafe Rouge. <laughs> yeah, Cafe yeah, Rouge. Yeah. If you've been Cafe Rouge and Cote, they're, you've the, they're up the two biggest yeah. exports of France. So you know, <laughs> they are the two biggest. <laughs> other than Thierry Henry, like, have you been to Thierry Henry? <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I've never had the invite. <laughs> <laughs> um, you won that, obviously. Yeah, so winning was something, you know, anyone that knows me knows that I just take things in my stride. I once got told by a college lecturer that if you were any more laid back, you'd be horizontal. I got told um, the same when I was at sixth form. And look at us now. Look at us now. <laughs> was there any point during the MasterChef journey that you almost fucked up? Like the, the first couple of rounds, the first few rounds were absolutely chaos. Like to the point where I don't suppose he'll mind me saying, but Tom Shepard kind of obviously knew that I'd won it. Um, 
good friends with Tom and whatever and like to a point where I think it was the second or third round he texted me and said are you having me on about winning it (laughs) 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 because it was like fucking hell you're doing awful you are doing you're doing (laughs) dreadfully I don't remember you in the early stages yeah well that's that's something I'm quite pleased about basically I mean obviously it's quite a long drawn out process but I'll kind of give you one reference the first round where they kind of they keep you in a dimly lit kind of porter cabin it sounds a bit like a Liam Neeson film but they keep you um, in a dimly lit porter cabin and um, you know hype you up on as much sugar as possible because they want you to go out they want you to be happy smiley kind of you know full of energy by that point I was like one but last to go so my sugar rush had gone I was in like almost like a coma um, got led into you know the studio which I'm expecting you know I'm expecting a few kind of people behind the camera I wasn't expecting 30 people 30 people behind and, the camera you know if I'm pretty pretty sure that everyone can uh, can get on board with this that if you're trying to perform in front of 30 people it's quite difficult speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's um it it's it was quite difficult i couldn't even kind of get my words out i couldn't make eye contact i couldn't put my apron on um was that for the technical was that for the was that technical (laughs) that was the skill test skill test so what was the skill test so i kind of vaguely just kind of noticed the words crepe souffle Um, (laughs) and then my my brain started just creating all kinds of images that looked like a banana split and I was like (laughs) oh my god what am I doing I'm well out of my depth here I wonder if anyone's ever just legged it out the fire door Um, crepe souffle that's the one that's cooked in the pan and finished under the grill is is that uh, is it the one that puffs up on the round the, uh, on the edges? See, you just smashed it. I just kind of went with the idea of let's make a Cornish pasty. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we, I basically made a souffle mix with not quite enough egg whites and stuffed it inside a crepe, crimped it and baked it and then covered it in caramel sauce. So... I knew I'd have at least one out of three judges on my side just because it was covered in caramel Caramel sauce. sauce. (laughs) So you get Greg's like, oh, bloody hell. hell. Buttery, delicious. (laughs) But then like Marcus and Monica want to see something with slightly more finesse. So when they get like a, you know, a a chewed up kind of Cornish pasty that's covered in caramel, they're like, yeah, you've not nailed this. And I'm kind of thinking like, don't let this be the thing that sends me home. Is that, I will never live this down. Is that going on the uh, dessert menu at Smoke? We're going to wheel a trolley out and I'll do it personally. You'll yeah. do it personally <laughs> for them. Just brought yeah. you a Cornish pasty. With a, a camping stove. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a B&Q garden trolley. Oh, that feels very 2023. <laughs> very, very 2023. This, this is the plot twist. I'm actually opening a restaurant that only does crepe souffles. <laughs> <laughs> In Cornwall. Yeah, it's called it's called crap souffle. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, um Master Chef it, it opens a lot of doors. It gives you a it gives you a voice. This industry is all about having a voice. You can be the best chef and you can be the best cook in the kitchen, but if you don't have that voice to kind of push yourself forward and make yourself kind of visible to everyone else then you're not really going to go too far. You, you winning, um, I, sh- I, I should never tell you this, but um, I tend to delete everything after I watch it once. <laughs> I still have the episode from your season recorded on my Skybox 
of the final when you won. I still remember it. And uh, I remember watching it live at the time. I got really pissed in front of the TV. Got a nice bottle of red in. Might have heard through the grapevine that you'd won previously, so kind of knew what to expect. Yeah. But I've kept that episode on, um, mostly to watch it when I'm sober. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's, um, yeah, it was probably Birmingham's worst kept secret. <laughs> because the thing is, in, in Birmingham, like, everyone is very kind and kind of, but everyone has a slightly big mouth. So you'll tell one person and then all of a sudden it snowballs and the whole estate knows. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't do anything in private. I found out in Couch. I remember being drunk in there on a Sunday afternoon. And I won't say who told me, but um, they came in and went, you're not going to believe this. And then told me and I was like, well, shout out to Couch, by the way. Wonderful cocktail bar. I'm trying to guess by the accent, but at the moment I'm not getting anything. Yeah. No, I got, that's where I got told. And then, uh, yeah, you winning was, was incredible. And... Obviously, the final took it to some really cool places, and famously, the main chef's table, when you blew away some of the biggest names in the industry, yeah, with a with a pork, <laughs> yeah, langoustine and, and Thai green curry, and Thai yeah, green yeah. curry sauce, which yeah. is which I had a couple of weeks ago at Smoke, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like when I when I kind of, you know, when I was on that journey, I didn't quite realise where it would lead me, and you know, kind of straying away from that slightly but you know kind of actually what smoke has become really even though it's not kind of Thai influenced or kind of Asian influenced per se um, it's all about just delicious flavours that work yeah whether that be kind of pork and langoustines with a Thai green bisque you know these these are things that you kind of you would order from you know, uh, a local takeaway or something like that. Maybe not langoustines. Yeah, I mean, not we are in Harbour, but <laughs> yeah. maybe not langoustines. Um, but we've you know, just ordered on a pizza. <laughs> it, it's those kind of flavours that actually make you think. You know, how can we elevate it? So we're not using kind of something that's foraged out of someone's bush. Like it's you know, it's kind of like. It's food that's good for the soul. I, I generally wouldn't use anything that was foraged out of someone's bush. <laughs> I've heard otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, that, that, to me, is your cooking style. Um, you, I don't, when I think of you as a chef, I don't see you rooted in any particular style. I see you as someone who looks at what you've got on the plate and finds a really interesting and different way to kind of showcase that that main ingredient as, as cleverly as you can. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm just working my way one step at a time towards becoming, you know, like a, a new Jimmy Spices. <laughs> you know, we just no, we, we're just we're not restricted by okay, we're a French restaurant, we're a British restaurant, whatever. We're just a restaurant that wants to cook good food. If that means that you know the ingredients are influenced by kind of by Asian cooking techniques or Asian flavors, or you know, there's there's so much more out there in the world rather than just saying you're one style. But please open a global buffet restaurant. <laughs> please, I would I would love to see you manning the chow mein section. <laughs> Believe <laughs> it or not, I make a banging chow mein. To to, uh, to six <laughs> drunk girls on Broad Street. <laughs> right. So from James James Italian, um, and to the point of you winning MasterChef, kind of what was your trajectory? Yeah, so, I mean, I worked at James Italian for just shy of uh, a year. I think it was, well, I, th I think in all honesty it was about nine months and it was purely because 
you know, I had really kind of high aspirations because I wanted to be part of something with a little bit more finesse than Jamie's Italian. Even though it's an absolute machine and you see the, you know, I mean, I remember kind of hearing that we would do 30 grand days. 30 grand in a day out of a restaurant, that's just crazy. Um, you know, so that, that actually, weirdly, now inspires me probably more than some of the other places I worked at to see what's capable with probably the same size team as what we had at Simpsons. Um, Sim Simpsons was straight after James Italian. No, so uh, straight after James Italian was Loves, which was on Canal Square. You worked for no way. You was at Loves. Yeah, yeah. So Steve Love, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one there. Yeah, all I'll say about Loves is Loves was one of my first ever um, fine dining experiences, and I remember there being. Oh, it was uh, pork scratchings with banana and yeah, lime. Yeah, I remember that one. That you were probably one of the tables of two that we used to do solely on a Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> night. <laughs> so after Loves? Yeah, so after Loves, I went over to um, a bit of a kind of change of scenery. So I went over to Brockencote Hall over by Worcester. I know Brockencote Hall. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So that was absolutely mind-blowing because Adam, who was the head chef at the time, Adam Brown, um, you know, still really good friends to this day. Absolutely, what a talent. Like, he was so... He was just, like, doing things that I'd never seen before. The uh, Someone for my birthday got me... Um uh, copy of the Michelin Guide from 1982, which was the year I was born, which mm. is cool. Yeah, yeah. But when you go through the the when you go through West Midlands, yeah, the places that were in it, which was the Plough and Harrow yeah. and Piccolino's down in Chad Square, some some truly yeah, yeah, awful yeah. places. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> the highest ranked place in like within 40 minutes when I was driving from here was Broken Cut Hall yeah yeah so it's it's had a good legacy um, and that was such a great place to work because there was no there was no shortcuts you know we would do functions properly we would prep whole animals we would serve whole salmon that had been poached in a kettle not not literally a kettle like in, the kitchen in, but you in, know uh, in a, uh, in a yeah, kettle yeah. I t I'll tell you what I do I'll tell you <laughs> what I do <laughs> that's skills it's that how I skills. cook my mackerel at home <laughs> <laughs> chuck it in the kettle I did think that tea was a bit off the other day yeah yeah. <laughs> pull it out just before yeah. it starts to steam that's that's um, you know and it was kind of really seeing those kind of ingredients like Andrew Pidgeon and you know Fargra for the first time and I'm not talking like sliced frozen Fargra I'm talking like still warm kind of pulled out of a bird 30 yeah. minutes ago that you have to divide yeah, and, yeah yeah and it was you know it was a it was a great place to be it was that was real kind of that was a really great time for me because I really saw how things were done properly and through a conversation with Adam, obviously Adam had worked at Restaurant Gordon Ramsay, he'd worked at Champignon Sauvage, Mallory Court, he'd got such a kind of a great CV that he kind of said to me, listen, like, I'm not sure if we're going to get a star or not. You know, at this point, we'd just got three rosettes, so we we're kind of buzzing with that and whatever. Um, but at the same time, he was like, you need to go and experience the Michelin kind of kitchens. Um, and there was one standout one for me that, you know, I'd heard nothing but great things, and that was Simpsons. Um, so, so who was head chef when you went to Simpsons? So Luke was the chef director. Yeah. Obviously, Andreas, the owner, and then... Uh, Matt was the Matt Chill. Matt Chill. The, yeah. He was the head chef. There was Ben Ray, who's still there as sous chef. 
Leo. Um, and Leo. Yeah. Leo was, I think Leo may have been junior Sue when I started. Um, Quite the team. Yeah, Simpsons for me, it's it's much more than just a restaurant at the time and still is kind of a bit of an institution for Birmingham. You know, for if you look at the people that have passed through, whether, whether it be Glyn, Andy Waters, um, so, so many people, more than I could probably The, the chap list. over at the cross. Yeah, um, yeah, Adam Bennett. Yeah, Adam Bennett. And also the uh, the guy who won the World Comedy of the Year is also yeah, at the yeah. cross. So, Chris. so Christian left a good few years ago now, the cross I think, he, but he works um, uh, for a private kind of financial firm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he, hopefully still cooking. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, when he, you said private financial firm, I thought, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, no, no, he's got... He's, he's now a calculator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I saw that they were creating legacies out of just normal people like me, you know, and like Luke again, you know, he's, he's from a very normal background and that was something that I looked at because I didn't want to go somewhere and work for someone that I couldn't see as a role model. Whereas I, I went there and right from the beginning, you know, he's a family man and he, he really cares about the people that work there being attacked by something he's yeah, been attacked <laughs> yeah. he's never I don't think he's Luke I think Luke's a great guy and I think you look at the like you say the legacy that's come through there yeah um, so much talent has passed through Simpsons and I think the reason is because they are so heavily rooted in kind of classic techniques Certainly. and um, uh, I think Luke Tippin makes some of the best sources that I've ever tried from any chef yeah. ever he's, yeah I mean the, the fact that like Luke kind of you know he he will make his prerogative to make sure that those sources are, are spot on you know it's um, I can't remember it word for word so I'm not going to quote it but it was a quote by Fernand Point um, about the sourcier being the um, composer of of in kitchen terms it's in the kitchen of Simpson still on yeah, the wall yeah yeah yeah, totally. yeah. But I, that's Without without comparing you to Luke, um, sources have always been a very strong part of your cooking. Totally, yeah. I take a lot of influence, obviously, like I said, from Luke. You know, I mean, kind of that being almost like the um, the biggest, well, one of the biggest kind of steps in my career. Um, you know, working with those guys that are true kind of craftsmen, and that's that's something you learn there. You don't necessarily go there to learn how to do food like they do at Noma. You know, you go there because you want to work at the best restaurant you can while still kind of staying in Birmingham. Like I've never, I've never lived more than 200 yards from where I where I grew up. Yeah, I've always travelled to wherever I've worked. Um, so, you know, Simpsons was really kind of, you know, the best place for me and sorted my mindset. And also, that's where I met Tash, my wife. Was it you met Tash at Simpsons? Yeah, so Tash came back from London after doing like a five or six year stint. Um, started as assistant restaurant manager and then before long became restaurant manager. I was convinced for a while that your, your wife hated me because um, I once got engaged in Simpsons. <laughs> and it was, um, it, was your wife, it was your wife that actually brought over the, um, first of all, the, <laughs> the ring on the plate. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then the glasses of champagne. Yeah. And then that, that engagement lasted, I think, two weeks, maybe three. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, by, by me, that's some going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, 
But as a result, I was convinced that she hated me. I, no. thought, I thought she looked at me like, who is that arsehole who <laughs> just comes in to get engaged at Simpsons <laughs> and then turns up with a different woman on his arm four yeah. weeks later? She probably thought you were running some kind of scheme. <laughs> <laughs> just to get three glasses of Runard. <laughs> it works. It does. It, it does. does. does work. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, yeah, and if you can't afford the engagement rings, it's worth just putting on the on the booking that you've just got engaged. Certainly, yeah, yeah. and I, I think you know, kind of, yeah. So moving from Simpsons was always going to be a little bit of a difficult one because you know, once you've kind of worked in the best restaurant in the area, what do you do next? Um, so that was always going to be a slightly difficult decision to make um, but that was brought forward quite quickly by the fact that uh, our son was due Jack and you know like any kind of responsible parent you need to make enough money to kind of create that family life um, so I kind of made a money move over to a restaurant in Litchfield um, yeah that was kind of quite short-lived both for the guy who owned it and for me, it just wasn't the right move. You know, I wanted to do something that was slightly more Simpsons-esque. He wanted to smash out kind of fast casual. And I guess that conversation went amiss somewhere in between. So then off the back of that, actually kind of, this is where Chris is, like I say, Chris Hughes, my old college lecturer has been a poignant part of my career. He kind of said, why don't you meet with Alex and kind of chat through the positions that he's got there. Alex being Alex Claridge at the Wilderness. Um, obviously, at that point, you know, he, he was just getting sued by um, Daniel Hume. Um, <laughs> he was, yes. <laughs> for ripping off um, his the, restaurant. The name. Nomads. Yeah. 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 They had a global, my understanding of that was that Daniel Hume had the global trademark and at the time had no plans to open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a just nomad didn't outside want of someone thinking that Nomad had opened next to a like grungy <laughs> subway no, next in to Birmingham. A, next to a sex shop yeah, yeah. by the rag market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't want his reputation confused with that, which I'm not sure why. Um, I, he seems quite uptight for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you've been to that sex shop yeah. by the rag market... Oh, they're all really nice. You'd they? understand yeah, it's yeah. quite the picturesque location. Yeah. So, I mean, that... So, yeah, it was, again, like, it's chalk and cheese to The Simpsons, isn't it? You know, it was kind of... It was punk meets fine dining. And, you know, there was all the kind of quirks of a fine dining restaurant. You know, people kind of... Um, explaining what your food is whilst pointing at it and um, you know kind of all the usual kind of processes and kind of early starts and late finishes that you get associated to a to a Michelin star or fine dining restaurant um, you know so straight away I kind of thought yeah this is a bit me you know like Alex is a great person I've still got a good relationship with Alex um, and for the kind of three, well, two and a half, three years that I was there, rising from kind of sous chef to um, going to kind of overseeing nocturnal animals and the wilderness, back down to just kind of solely doing the wilderness so we could focus on that as the main kind of flagship um, or the main product in general. And I had a great time there. We, you know, we had a lot of laughs. Like Alex is one hell of a character. Alex is a great guy who does things in Alex's way. Yes. And um, I think there's much to be said for that within the industry. There are so many things within hospitality that are just essentially copycats of another thing. Yeah. Whereas Alex has just 
wrote whatever shit he wanted all over the wall. Certainly. You know, he's got, I mean, he's, he has a favourite song by The National, so he wrote the lyrics all over the wall. Yeah. You know, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, paints, you know, obviously it's black and the playlist is his and... Uh, yeah, it's a. I mean, I imagine it's a very, very, very conductive place to work. Yeah, totally. And I think you know that kind of freedom, that level of kind of anything goes, is is great creatively. You know, like when we talked about the um, food that I was doing on MasterChef, whether it be the Thai green curries, whatever else, that's what we were kind of pushing towards at the wilderness. We we're pushing towards what we kind of um, captioned as progressive brummy cuisine you know uh, which any Frenchman out there listening to this would be like what the hell have you just said do you know what no French people <laughs> be listen, no French people be listening to this because um, you've already stated that you've got no intention of ever going there <laughs> they would have switched off by this part no I think I'd you know I'd quite like to go I've heard there's like a good version of the French uh, centre parks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Between so, that and a ham and cheese baguette, I'm well that, up for it. That's really tickled me. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine the French spelling it C E N T R E P A R K S. Yeah, yeah. Centre Parks. Centre Parks. And in there, they, they sell a variety of uh, roast beef sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With cheese on. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah. All those anglais. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, um, yeah, that level of excitement and everything that we did there, that was definitely one of the kind of things that I wanted to kind of communicate with MasterChef. You know, that kind of almost like punkish attitude of we're going to do something and we're going to do it in our own way. And, you know, but again, like, I think I've almost gone, turned another corner since then because I've, I've care less about trying to do something that's provocative now and I care about making people happy. Yeah, that's, that's the, I mean, that's the life story that I live by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> stay away from anything controversial. Just focus on making people happy. Totally. That's, that's how it yeah, should yeah, be. Yeah. Um, so smoke. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about smoke. So smoke was something that kind of, you know, it, it existed before before I took took the reins of it. So it existed um, as a furnace house on uh, Hampton Manor Estate, which you know it, it was built in 1891. So it's it's you know quite kind of picturesque. Like the floor and everything is over a hundred years old. You know, like it's got more history than uh, your internet history. Uh, my, um, my, I do have a significant <laughs> internet history. <laughs> yeah, we're just. From the get-go, it was kind of used to serve kind of big pieces of braised meat and quite convivial kind of cooking, the kind of cooking that, you know, you could share and it almost feel very family-led. And that was when kind of James approached me, um, that being James Hill, who obviously is the managing director of Hampton. And I'd like to say now more so, yeah, a friend as well, because, you know, he, he, he gives me the trust to just kind of do what we need to do with smoke. And that was the case from the get-go. So we looked at what makes smoke smoke, and it was the playlist, the the drinks, uh, the food, obviously being quite kind of relatable. I think that's important in food. You need to have that kind of that experience of you know this is some 
prawns cooked in garlic butter or whatever, but it's done really, really well. Yeah. James is one of the great enablers in hospitality. He sees talent and he really pushes it as much as he can. Um, and you look at what's going on over at the estate, you know, it's not just you. You've got Grace and Saver and... Totally. I what, mean, what a place to work that must be. Yeah. Oh, crazy. And, uh, you know, when you're... Like they always say, surround yourself with like-minded people. David has come from uh, Maymo in Oslo. Like these guys, they're coming with kind of big experiences and that's what it's all about. Don't shut yourself off from kind of creativity. Like, don't ever worry about kind of this is this is my recipes and you know I'm not going to share this I'm not going to share that like it the whole industry is just a continuous cycle of of dishes that have been previously done by someone else it's sharing that talent yeah. isn't it especially in that building you're all sharing your 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 talent and your your thoughts and your knowledge like i said about smoke like we we sometimes get you know the the feedback of oh you you know you're definitely at that kind of one star level and you know what when I was younger that's the kind of thing that I thrived on I wanted to hear that you know we're in a, in for a shot for a for a star or whatever else whereas now I couldn't care less like obviously if we got one brilliant I'm not saying if anyone from Michelin is listening that we don't want one um, but at the same time it's it's less about that it's about looking across into the restaurant and seeing people smiling seeing people walk away having a good experience with us and it also it's about looking after the guys in the restaurant you know often when you're in that kind of michelin star mentality the the staff aren't very high on that priority list whereas for us it's about giving three days off it's about later starts it's about just being human with people it's kind of lastly um Hell's Own College. You've got the Stuart Dealey Academy over there. Yeah, yeah. So whoever thought that I'd be allowed to have my own academy at a college? I, I can't believe they've trusted you with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just assumed it was because you spoke the local dialect. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working that one out. A lot, a lot of it just kind of stare at me with, a lot of them stare at me with blank faces, kind of thinking, what's he on about? There's a really good um, chippy at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, there, there is. is a really there good... is. Yeah, I, I actually, like I said, I, I, um, you know, I went to Hell's Own in college and for me ever since leaving there it's always about been about giving back like they've got some absolutely amazing lecturers you know namely kind of Chris Hughes and Guy Marston who were two of my main lecturers um, Chris he's got a heavy involvement with uh, the wilderness yeah I, I know Chris is a great guy he is he is so Chris is responsible for teaching a lot of up-and-coming kind of stars in the industry um, I was actually in the first group that he ever taught at Hells Owen no way. Um, which after that I mean he was probably thinking what have I, what have I done um, especially after our field trips to Italy and Scotland that, was, uh, <laughs> that must have been an eye-opener for him um, <laughs> you know um, but yeah being part of the college and being able to give back a little bit and kind of trying to almost promote the college as as a way to solve our staffing shortages across the industry. So one of the guys who was in the academy last year has recently just joined the, the team at Upstairs with Tom. With Tom, Tom, Tom Shepherd. Shepherd. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and these guys, that's what I want to see. But equally, I'm not disappointed if they go and join Pizza Express. Like, it's about what suits them. And also, it's about them leaving the college and us knowing that we've given them the best chance to secure a job like that possible. What a good man you are. Yep. 
<laughs> Simply, yep, yep, yep. I'm a fucking great guy. <laughs> Stu, thanks ever so much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it. Now on to AJ Kemp. Coincidentally, my safe word. AJ is co-owner of Zendia Vita Greens and Tap and Tandoor, where we meet him over a mixed grill. I rarely go to Solihull, mostly because it's a ball lake to get to. I used to go to Touchwood, which is not a euphemism. Hello, AJ. How do? Very good. How are you? I'm really well. Good to see you again. Yeah, and you? It's been a while. A long time. You, you, never, you never venture out to Solihull. I, I <laughs> if you knew how long it took me to get over here today, you'd know why. I used to uh, I used to live in Mosley, and um, your first business was Zindir. Zindir, yeah. Yeah. So it started off as Zindir, yeah. And then you've now got a right little empire. There is a few businesses, yeah. We're tap and Tandor, where we are. Yeah. Zindir. Yeah. Taste Collective. Yeah. Here comes in the next grill. Yeah. And um, just as we start, the food arrives. First time I came here, I was absolutely blown away by the mixed grill. There's a lot of people in Birmingham who take mixed grills very seriously. Very, very seriously, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, there's various accounts, Matt Cooper Bites. People take it super, super serious. They do. You know, we overhear guests talking in here. The first thing is, oh, have you been to this place? Have you been to that place? Oh, this place is fantastic. This they just name check everyone. And then when they sit down here and they go, oh, that was really, really good. We really enjoyed that. So what's on that big mixed grill? So we've got chicken tikka. So that's your classic go-to for anyone on, a, for, on your mixed grill. We've got Hariali chicken tikka, so that's a slightly green one, which is uh, marinated in mint and coriander. Lamb chops, seek kebabs, and chicken wings. Nice. Nice assortment. I think a lot of people really enjoy the onion, onions at the end as well. I'm going to stick my boring food head on here and just say uh, immediately, there's a few things on here that I really like. Yeah. One, your chicken tikka hasn't been dyed to shit. No, it's not bright red. It's not bright red, because yeah. that's... I mean, that's a red, I mean, when I say it's a red flag, I didn't yeah. mean, no pun intended, yeah. it is a red flag. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is. When, that, you see, when you see them at some places, it's like bright red, you're like, mate, what's going on there? It shouldn't not, be that colour. It shouldn't, it shouldn't. Yeah. Because if you're using the natural spices, um, like there's a spice called Deggy Mirch, which has a natural redness about it, and you use that in the right proportions, that then gives that, that, that colour on the chicken tikka. And the shish looks... Insanely good. Yeah. Oh, he's done another one as well. Oh, here's more. Here's more. <laughs> he's done another one. All right, there. Yeah, and the, the sheesh looks incredible. Just listen to that sizzle. It's great, isn't it? It all adds to the theatre. I think that's what I think that's what everyone likes about the mix grill is the theatre of it as well. Yeah. You know, uh, people that what really amazes me. It's like we just opened in um, in Southampton. We opened a site in Southampton, and um, this kind of concept is fairly alien to them down there. And you see a mixed grill coming out of the kitchen through the restaurant and people are going, what's that? Wow, what's that? And it's, um, you know, it's, people are going, oh, I want that, I want that dish. So yeah, we've got the mixed grill, butter chicken, masala fries, a um, couple of garlic naans, and then some dips. And I, he recently told me about, well, I've just tried it, something called pakora sauce, which is mental. A lot of people really enjoy that. It's got that, like you said, that, that hint of vinegar in us too, yeah. but it's the hint of spice as well. But when you have it with, with the grill, it's um, really tasty. 
With the, um, with the ingredient side of things, one of the things that I'm quite passionate about is, is I want to get to the point where, where we're kind of farm to fork. I don't think there's a lot of places that, that sing about that and kind of say, look, this is what, what we do. Well, I think the places that do are certainly not cooking this style of food. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things I've always really admired about you in particular is you do care about Providence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you use a really good butcher, mm. and it shows in the product. Yeah, everyone has their own personal favourite kind of places where they go to for mixed grill. I think some of them are hugely overrated, mm. and he can bleep me out on this because it's fine. But I, yeah, it's just not as good as people say it is. A lot of people say it's really good, but I've been there once. Okay, it was okay. Sustainability and provenance are two of the things that I'm quite passionate about, and how do we build that into our business? And it's about can I tell my customers, hey guys, this meat has come from this farm. Now, there's a company out there who, who do this now, and we've just gone through a trial with them. They've delivered us meat from local farms, and we're like, well, the quality sings for itself. And you're like, wow, it's bloody amazing. But also on the back of that, they give you, they, they're delivering like electric vehicles, and they're like, you know, you save this much CO2 by using us, and those types of things, I think, if you can communicate that to your customer, it doesn't mean that a customer will come just because you're doing that. It yeah. just kind of gives you that message that you're kind of a little bit ethical as well. As much as, you know, the food is a great part of this business, one thing I was always passionate about from, from Zindia was our partnership with Purity and craft beers and fusing that with Indian food. Mm. Here, bringing that on a, another level in terms of having, you know, 12 taps of beer, seven of those being, you know, craft beers, and then being Solihull's first craft beer pub, it allowed us to bring in a clientele and those people that really appreciate that. Like, eating this food makes me realise how much I miss this food. Yeah. <laughs> Hob onto Solihull. It's 40 minutes in the car. Yeah, it is. Right, it's a ball ache. But I remember just before COVID coming down, deliberately booking to see 1912 at the cinema Yeah, in Solihull so that I could come and have your butter chicken. <laughs> and um, eating this now makes me remember how much I bloody love your food. No, good. The, the menu itself, I mean, we, a lot of people, when they open the restaurant, they get a chef and say, okay, make this. And then the chef makes it too. But the, the flavors and stuff was, it had to be kind of reminiscent of kind of what, what we'd have at home, how we would cook at home and how we'd serve at home. One of the biggest things that we found was when um, people, go to their traditional Indian restaurant. They'd have, okay, this is my chicken tikka masala, this is my naan, this is my rice. Mm. And that's not how we eat at home. It's always kind of order seven or eight dishes, put it on the table, share it, enjoy. You know, that's the kind of style that, that we want people to enjoy so they get to try different things. But yeah, I do that green chicken tikka, that green the chicken. The flavour on that's great. I really, I really like that. That is mental flavour. Yeah, it's good. Is that... That big herby notes, coriander. Yeah, coriander, yeah. 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 Mint and coriander. The green chicken itself, it's it's quite specific to a mixed grill. Yep. Don't often see it outside that. I know it's on the menu at Zindia. Zindia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's three types of chicken tikka that's classically referred to. So you've got your classic, kind of the ready one, you've got your green one, which is Hariyali. The, the one with the, hung yogurt is the classic one. The classic white one. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So a bit about your other bits. So yep. you've got, uh, you obviously got Vita, mm -hmm. uh, Taste Collective, yep. um, Zindir. The Taste Collective is smack bang in the middle of Mal Square in Solihull and you have Street Food Traders in there. That's right, Street Food Traders, 
We do events in there like uh, music bingo, weekly quiz. You've got, so you've got Burger Me Up. Burger Me Up, yeah. One of, I'm, I'm, they won't mind me saying this, for me, one of the surprises of the last year. Yeah. Went to the place in Celio last year and, uh, and I wrote about it and I was really super clear on it as well. Um, I was not expecting that. They are, without question, top three burgers in Birmingham. They get it. They do. I think with Taste Collective, our focus has always been bring people in who have that genuine passion for what they're doing. Who's in at the moment? So you've so got, got Cleopatra's Kitchen. Cleopatra's and their grill as well. Cleopatra's Grill. Then we've got Pizza Amore and Burger Me Up. Pizza Amore is great. Yeah, very good. He's, he's super passionate about it as well. He is. I was super happy when you got Burger Me Up because it's in Sully Oak. Let's be realistic about it. People from Sully Hall aren't going to drive to no. Sully Oak nope. for a burger. But, um, this, but this, is a, I mean, this is a thing about all the businesses that I've opened here. Was I, for one, was always a person that used to go out of Sully Hall to get what I wanted, whether it's a great cocktail, good coffee, street food stuff. And I said, well, why can't we have it here? Why can't I have it here on the doorstep? And opportunity just came. Sorry, Hall needs more of it. It does. It needs a lot more of it. So now's, um, now's probably an ideal part then. So you said you're always looking for traders. Anyone listening to this, uh, what, what's your dream? Who would you really like? Ooh. I mean, you don't need to say specific names, but in your head, what, what products would you really like to see represented? To, to is uh, Buddha Belly. Yeah. And, and um, English Indian. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, English Indian's great. He, um, yeah. uh, he fed me through Glastonbury. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had a lot of English <laughs> Indian at Glastonbury. They're the two that come to mind straight away. For me, Butterbelly is the best street food in the country. It's very, very good. Very good. It's uh, quality is, again, it's quality driven. She gets it. Yeah. What we basically learned from this is um, a wedding soil hall, tap and tandoor for lunch. Yeah, tap and hand off for lunch. Yep. Going greens for yep. some cocktails. Absolutely. Um, maybe grab a coffee at Vita if you really need it. Yeah. Uh, and then hang around for some, some street food at Taste Collective. Absolutely. That's Solihull done right. That's, that's Solihull in one day. And when you're in Mosley, Mosley's. I'm not Mosley's saying. changed. I mean, I. I don't know what's going I've on. Got I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, every time I've been to Mosley, it's, it's changed and it needs a refill. I know the pitch has moved, as in. First, back in 2017, 16, it was always Mosbat Mosley. Then it was Kingsley, and now it's gone to Sturchley. But still, Mosley still needs uh, another kick. AJ, I've got this theory on this, that um, the year I moved into Mosley was the year that it became, uh, it was voted the number one place to yeah. live in the UK. And then I left, and I went to Harborn, yeah. and <laughs> that became the number two best place in the UK to live. And Mosley dropped out of the top 10 by then. So um, I think what we've learned is that uh, Areas that I moved where to. Where Simon goes. Is yeah, where, where Simon Carlo is. <laughs> that, that's, so if, if any areas would like to sponsor me to move, um, I'm, I'm up for that deal. You want, if you want to get me in Solly Hall, I can make Solly Hall call, I promise. No problem. Yeah. I've got a room next door you can live in. <laughs> <laughs> deal. Just before it starts to stay. Oh, honey, you're getting that third round. Hey, go treat yourself. That skills. Producer Simon has just informed me that I'm better pissed, so I'll be doing all future recordings after a session. The next seasonal markets event is Burgerfest on June 3rd. I'm told you can expect burgers and fruity cider. Big love to Bearded Tacos from Cardiff, who was superb today. And now, finally, an apology. I upset some influencers recently, and for that, I'm sorry. 
I guess my issue has always been that if you choose to eat a Wagamama's over Tiglite's pig, you either have abysmal taste or an ulterior motive. And that's my issue. These people are not championing what's great, but championing what's free. And when hospitality is on its arse like it is presently, that reeks of shitty behavior. But like I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you all eat shit food. And that's it for season one. Thank you so much to anyone who's listened. We've really put our effort into this. We'll be back in the summer with some really superstar people and uh, bigger and better than we are now. I'm Simon Carlo. This is the Meat and One Veg podcast, produced by 969 Media and Simon Boschowski. I've eaten many a pepperoni in the back of that section. <laughs> everyone wonders why you are who you are. <laughs> I'm a fucking great guy. <laughs> Simon Carlo, we do it. <laughs>